When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. And with the last line of one of the best comedies ever made, we begin the business film today. I'm Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we dissect the UK box office numbers. So, James, where do we begin? Well, you may recollect that the previous weekend jumped up to 31.9% on the previous term because of a new film called Jurassic World Dominion, Mm -hmm. which Mm. is still ruling the roost. Although... There is a new film, there's a couple of new films, but they haven't performed quite as well as the two blockbusters, Top Gun being the other one. Mm. So it was a dip, but I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that we had an incredible heat wave last weekend. So the box office dipped by 24.3% down Mm -hmm. on the previous leg, unfortunately. So at number one, we've still got Jurassic World Dominion, which I thought really delivered. It's got a lot wrong with it. Uh, I admit that. But I think most audiences who go to see the film will get what they pay for. And I I personally suffered several panic attacks while watching it, which I think is always the sign of a good thriller. And that made £5.7 million over the weekend, down 53%, with a total now of 21.8% million at number two we still have top gun maverick which was at number two the previous weekend which made 4.2 million quid down just 24 percent with a total of 57.4 million making it the biggest grosser of the year (laughs) so far i thought that might have been a a a sort of guys uh, movie but i've been hearing from quite a few women friends that they've enjoyed it as well I don't think women mind looking at Tom Cruise with his shirt off, even if he is 59. <laughs> okay, so Top Gun Maverick, 57.4 million. I'm not going 57.4. So after four weekends, it is already amongst the top 30 highest grossing films of all time in the UK. And certainly Tom Cruise's biggest hit to date. And he's about the biggest box office star on the planet. Mm. We but, have another Mission Impossible from him before too long, don't we? Yeah, we've got one coming up very soon. Because yeah, one I remember seeing lockdown. being filmed in Derbyshire last year with the, the train crash. I am intrigued to see if the dry stone walls of Derbyshire get CGI'd out or not when we see that scene. Oh, I hope not. No, but I just can't I love somehow see an international. I know, but I just have to see how an international thriller can somehow be based in Derbyshire. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> Well, we know that Tom Cruise is a huge Anglophile. Mm. And I've lived in several places where he apparently also lived. Mm. He does get around. 
But the big disappointment of the weekend, Simon, you will be mortified to hear, is Lightyear, it made 3.7 million. But if you compare that to what Toy Story 4 made, which was 13.3 million, uh, the, it's less than exciting, really. As you know, it's an offshoot of the Toy Story franchise. Mm. And at the bad, beginning, bad weeks, you think, to bring it out? Well, in a heat wave, yeah. Well, I was thinking less of the heat wave. In fact, there are two big films already dominating the box office. Except they opened on previous weekends, and you would hope by then. But they are holding extremely mm. well, in spite of the warm weather. But at the beginning of Lightyear, a caption tells us that the film we are about to see was Andy's favourite movie. Andy, <laughs> you may recall, was the little boy at the heart of the Toy Story films whose playthings have become a part of modern cinematic lore. Woody, Mr. Potato Head, Rex the Tyrannosaur, Slinky Dog, Bo Peep, and so on. I have to say that my least favourite action figure was Buzz Lightyear, not only because he was so arrogant, but because he was so deluded, refusing to believe he was actually a mm. toy. Now, I should warn you that none of the charm or the simple ingenuity of Toy Story is evident in Lightyear, as our protagonist is definitely not a toy. So besides Buzz Lightyear himself, there is nothing to link the films other than that they are both beautifully computer animated. Toy Story, I'm sure you recall, was the first feature length film to be computer animated, which has now become the norm mm. for cartoons. Who would have thought? And Pixar has gone on to produce 11 cartoons that have won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, as well as a couple that were nominated for Best Feature, which was Up and Toy Story 3. I so, can still remember when all we got from them was the, the, that um, um, lamp squashing the ball. I know. Do you remember yeah. the little bouncing uh, angle poise lamp? Angle poise, yes, that? yes. Yeah. Not many people yeah. know that word. Yes, Anyway, Lightyear is a different animal in that it is essentially a sci-fi film with a lot of comedy and some quite exciting moments. Buzz and his commanding officer, Alicia Hawthorne, are exploring a planet called Picani Prime, which they view as potentially, potentially habitable. And immediately we come to see Buzz as the big-headed maverick we have come to know from the Toy Story films, who, rightly so, objects to talking automated machinery and robotic anthropomorphic companions, which is a running joke. Mm. He likes to do things himself and doesn't need any help from anybody. So just as he's given the cold shoulder to a new rookie called Fethingwortham, which he can't pronounce, which reminds me of Steve, a Steve Martin movie. Yes, yes, it does sound like it, yes. <laughs> uh, Buzz hates rookies too. Uh, but they are... Then just then they are attacked by serpentine-like roots. So as in the sci-fi film Tremors, starring the late Fred Ward, they find themselves in a hostile environment inhabited by a terrifying subterranean and deadly life form. As they make their getaway, Buzz takes over the controls and risks the crew of his ship in a foolhardy escape, escape manoeuvre. It's a close thing and it's a hit or miss for a short space of time. But to the surprise of the grown-ups in the audience, it turns out to be a hit, leaving the crew grounded on the hostile planet. He does not miss the mountain. And so a new story 
evolves and gradually the crew manages to build a habitable settlement in spite of the hostile life form. One of the mysteries of the story is how the planet's human population multiplies over time while Buzz buzzes off into space to test various escape strategies, arriving back at base camp four minutes later, where his fellow astronauts have aged several years. So Buzz remains eternally young, and each time he returns, he finds that huge changes have taken place in his absence. That's more or less the setup, but not without some interesting things going on. Alicia Hawthorne, Buzz's black commander, turns out to be lesbian, which is great, albeit surprising for a mainstream Disney feature. Consequently, Simon, Lightyear has been banned in many overseas territories and scraped by with an NC-16 certificate in Singapore because of a brief, ever so fleeting, same-sex kiss delivered by Alicia during one of Buzz's return visits. In fact, Alicia not only meets the woman of her dreams, I did wonder where this particular lesbian astronaut had been hiding this whole time, but she manages to produce a family, which then goes on to produce its own set of children, all while Buzz remains his youthful, lantern-jawed self, popping in and out of hyperspace. This being a Pixar film, the animation is predictably awesome. There is a great score from Michael Giacchino of Ratatouille and Up fame, and the voice cast is ace. Interestingly, Tim Allen does not return as the voice of Buzz Lightyear, but is replaced by Captain America himself, Chris Evans. Having said all that, although I thoroughly enjoyed the film, I did find myself wearying in the final stretch, as it all seemed so familiar, like a beautifully crafted jumble of Star Wars and Star Trek and the Iron Giant and Alien and Starship Troopers, among many others I could name. Furthermore, in spite of the life, les life lessons that Buzz Lightyear learns along the way, I am no more a fan of his as I was before, and judging by a scene after the closing credits, we may not have seen the last of him yet. It is fine, Simon, but I think for a Pixar film, I was rather disappointed. Okay, James, perhaps a good moment for us to take a brief breather so you can catch your breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Share Radio, where I'm talking to James Cameron Wilson. We're going through uh, last weekend's box office in UK cinemas. Uh, number three was the new film Lightyear, um, which James found disappointing, despite many positive aspects to it. So, James, what's number four? Well, before we leave Lightyear, I've just been looking at the chart, and there are some very interesting comparisons to Top Gun Maverick, both of which seems that scenes that have had to be removed for the Chinese market. And I think Lightyear might have been banned outright. Obviously, the same sex kiss China mm. didn't like. And Top Gun Maverick, uh, Tom Cruise is wearing a Taiwanese flag on his jacket. Yes. And that, I think, had to be digitally removed, which I was just, I mean, there's been quite a lot in the news of the last week about uh, Hollywood films ignoring the Chinese market. But good, good on uh, Pixar, I say, for keeping in the same-sex kiss. Okay, James, so number four? 
Uh, number four, we've good luck to you, Leo Grande, which made, sadly, only £189,000, which stars Emma Thompson as a 55-year-old widow who decides to do something with her life when she retires and hires a young man, played by Daryl McCormack, to, well, <laughs> bring her into the world of a sexual arena that she never really tasted before. Mm. It got very good reviews. It didn't Tastefully come... done, James. <laughs> it hasn't come anywhere near me. I would love to see it. I think Sophie... Uh, not Sophie Thompson, her sister, no, Emma Thompson, sister, yes. is terrific. Although she's actually, well, it, it's famous, this film is already garnering enormous publicity because Emma Thompson takes off her clothes. Mm. And I think it's great that she is actually in her 60s and she's playing somebody in her 50s that she's willing to do that. Mm. But why I really want to see it is because it's directed by Sophie Hyde, who previously made a film called Animals, which I thought was terrific. And it was during awards season that my daughter and I sat down and I said, darling, I'm reviewing this for Simon Rose on mm. DVD. I have to watch it. I know that we've got all these award screeners we have to watch. And we thought it was the best film of the award season, directed by Sophie Hyde. And now she's directed Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. So I'm not looking, to, uh, looking forward to seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness again, which is at number five, down from three, down 57%, with a total of £41.9 million. Pounds. At number six, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, which mm -hmm. was at number four, down 40%, with a total of £4.7 million, which is pretty good for such a low-budget feature. That's been hanging hanging in there. Yes, and you, you, you found it wearying i think and i found it incredibly enjoyable um yes but then you knew yes. you were sure it with a packed audience so if you do so well, packed i mean it was a small screen so there were only about 20 people but yes as you say you saw it entirely on your own which and i didn't realize good. it was a comedy and i just i was so <laughs> i think i was so exhausted by dr strange and the multiverse of madness yes, I, I didn't want to see that. any other multiverses and along yes. came next week another <laughs> I one i can understand that which didn't help that. So okay. it's all about context. Mm -hmm. Anyway, at number seven, oh, God, another one with multiverses. We've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which was at number five, down 51%, with a total of £26.6 .6 million, which is more than 37.5% than the first film made in its entire UK run, mm. which can only mean one thing. There'll be a Sonic Hedgehog 3. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. which I dread. Much better if you are interested. Well, I think of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as animation, but it's not animation because Jim Carrey plays himself. But obviously Sonic is animated. But whereas the bad guys at number eight, which was at number six, is pure animation. Now in its 12th week, in fact, it opened at the same time as Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's down 58% with a total of 13.3 million. Mm -hmm. A film I really did enjoy at number nine is Downton Abbey, A New Era, which was at seven, down 67%, with a total of 14.8 million pounds, which is more than half what the first Downton Abbey film made, but hasn't done quite as well and is unlikely to get as make as much money as the original. So we might not be seeing a third Downton Abbey, but we will definitely see a third Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, life is unfair. Mm -hmm. At number 10, we have Vikram, 
a very violent, nearly three-hour action thriller from India. And this is quite unusual that we have an Indian film in, I can't remember what the language is, I think it was Hindi, in the chart for three weeks running, even though it was down 74% last weekend, and the weekend before that, it was down 75%. Hmm. But it did really well in its first weekend, and it's holding on there incredibly well. Right. So that's the chart. Where are you taking us now? Well, I thought we could discuss a film that I know you've seen called Hustle, which is available on Netflix. It's a new Netflix release. I have never been a huge fan of Adam Sandler. And then he sneaks up on me and delivers a film I really like. I'm talking about movies such as Anger Management, Mm. Punch Drunk Love, and the critically reviled men, women, and children. But then I am an unapologetic fan of the latter's director, Jason Reitman. And I thought his collaboration with Sandler was shocking and funny and poignant and surprising. However, a lot of Adam Sandler's films I have found offensive and puerile. And so it warms the cockles of my heart when I read on Wikipedia, that his oeuvre has received more Golden Raspberry nominations, (laughs) 37, than any other star besides Sylvester Stallone. However, his latest film, currently streaming on Netflix, has been another critical success for the actor, with an approval rating of 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I find terribly misleading. Rotten Tomatoes. I confess the film does start with some promise with a neat montage of Sandler's NBA coach Stanley Sugarman dashing around the world. And I did spot London, Japan, Germany, Greece, not all. It's quite a quick montage. I did get all the countries while consuming industrial quantities of junk food. He is a schlemiel, overweight and a terrible family man barely stopping at home long enough to allow his young teenage daughter to go out for the evening to watch Evil Dead in the local cemetery. But things are about to change. His lifelong friend, Rex Merrick, played by a 91-year-old Robert Duval, also happens to be the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers owner, promotes Stanley from scout to assistant coach, which not only means a substantial increase to Stanley's bank balance, but means he can spend more quality time at home in Philadelphia with his family, including his wife, Teresa, played by Queen Latifa. But little time has passed when Merrick's son, Vin, Ben Foster, takes over his father's position and ushers Stanley onto the road again. As Vin says... Stanley is valuable as a coach, but indispensable as a scout. So there are domestic dynamics to be addressed, and Stanley jets off to find the next superstar of the NBA, which, of course, is the National Basketball Association. I Mm -hmm. think that's what it stands for, uh, in case people aren't up to par with basketball. As with any sports drama, what follows, follows a set template, and with training sessions unfolding on the streets of Philadelphia. One can't help but think of the ultimate underdog sporting drama, Rocky, which is referenced 
along with other cinematic benchmarks, E.T. and Titanic, and of course, Evil Dead. Initially, I did fear the worst, as an opening boardroom meeting was shot with fast zooms and a fidgety camera, and I thought, oh no, I couldn't last the journey. Um, but as any great cinematographer will tell you, from Sir Roger Deakins downwards, the camera and the movement of it should be invisible, just as the music and the editing should be. However, the camera does settle down in hustle after a while, except on the basketball court, when it needs to be as dynamic as it can be. I think as an actor, Adam Sandler has developed a number of characteristic tics, such as his reassuring, okay, and all right, but he's a self-deprecating fellow with an easygoing rapport with his wife and daughter that draws you to the man. And working in a cutthroat business, Stanley Sugarman manages to maintain his integrity and fall. For that, we want him to succeed. Hustle is not a great film. It is formulaic. It is predictable. But it is also, at times, exciting, gripping, and I found moving. And as an Adam Sandler sports movie, think Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy, and The Longest Yard, it is the best Adam Sandler sporting movie I have ever seen. Ooh, I, I have to say, despite, like you, mostly not liking Adam Sandler, except the rare exception, I did find Happy Gil, I mean to watch it again, I actually adored Happy Gilmore when I saw it the first time. So um, who knows? But I, I would agree that I have seen this. I, I stumbled across it by accident. I wasn't intending to watch it, and it, it got good reviews. So I thought I'd try it. But yeah, incredibly predictable, but also quite good fun. I mean, I just say eminently watchable. I mean, it does exactly what it says on the tin, but does it pretty well. But, but there are you're some never films. really surprised by the plot, though. No, but there are some films that are predictable, and you hope they followed the trajectory that they have set out mm. because you want it to go where it's manipulating yes. you to yes. go, and True. that is kind of inevitable. I mean, sport sports films are innately formulaic. Yes, especially the, the tales of the underdog. Yes, absolutely. But it, no, it was enjoyable, perfectly watchable. You would not, I think, most people would not regret. Uh, tuning in to see uh, Hustle, even if they're not massive Adam Sandler fans. And Queen Latifah, not not exactly a great role for her, but she's pretty good. Yeah, she's very good. She, she's a nice warm glow in the film. Yeah. yeah so yeah. while I was on Netflix, I also caught Spiderhead, which is quite interesting because Miles Teller is to Joseph Kosinski what Robert De Niro is to Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio to Scorsese, for that matter. Miles mm. Teller is probably still best known for his starring role in D Damien Chazelle's Whiplash, although a younger generation may now best know him as Rooster Bradshaw, the son of Goose in Top Gun Maverick, which was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Before, before then, Kaczynski directed the gripping true-life firefighting drama Only the Brave, which I loved, in which Miles Teller played a drug abuser who learns the meaning of teamwork as a firefighter in Arizona. Now Teller is reunited with Kaczynski yet again as Jeff, a convict in a facility called the Spiderhead Penitentiary and Research Center. And he has made a pact with the devil. The devil is played by Chris Hemsworth, a rock of clean cut, good looking dependability and charisma who runs the institution on behalf of the so-called protocol committee. In a nutshell, I find institutions 
set around experimentation, deeply sinister, and this inevitably goes the same route. But I did like, basically, there are all the convicts are fitted with what is known as a Moby pack, which is attached to their back, and at the switch of a button can inject a drug directly into their bloodstream. I, I would like to say more. It's quite a nice idea, but I don't think it entirely works. Um, but also because I didn't think it was that novel an idea, except for the details. Um, and where is that? But that's on Netflix. That's on Netflix as well. Yeah. And it's okay, called James? Spiderhead. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's it for this week's Business of Film. James will be back with more at the same time next week. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me? Who's got you? <laughs> I am not an animal! Where the devil am I supposed?